Welcome to The Current, a podcast produced by We Stand for Energy. We Stand for Energy is a community that supports a reliable, affordable, and sustainable energy future for everyone. It is a project of EEI, Edison Electric Institute, the National Trade Association representing U.S. investor-owned electric companies. My name is Brad Viator, Executive Director of External Affairs at EEI, and I'm your host. Well, welcome, everyone. Today, I have the distinct pleasure of being joined by Tara Oglesby, the VP of Customer Experience at Ameren. And Tara, I want to turn to you first and just ask you about the challenges that Ameren's customers have been facing as a result of the COVID-19 crisis. Like, What sort of issues are you seeing really come up most often in the customer groups that you're working with? Well, first, good afternoon. It's great to be participating in this podcast. I'm happy to talk about Ameren, Missouri and what we're experiencing as a result of COVID-19. And just like how others have talked about, is something very unique and different for us. Something we have never had to deal with before as far as the type of customer need that's out there. And I think that's probably the biggest challenge is the type of customer need. You know, we've never seen our business customers out there needing the help like they're needing today. We've got residential customers who have had a just fabulous payment history for a number of years. All of a sudden, they can't pay their bill. And then we have our low-income customers who still try to find some work, but those types of jobs are few and far between with the changes in some of those hourly wage jobs that are no longer available. So it's even in a worse position. So it's something that is unique to us because it's really escalated the type of customer assistance that we have to give to customers. And now it's not something we can wait a year to plan on and put out there. It's something we have to be able to deliver now. How's it working out? Like how are you and your leadership team responding to the real-time nature of this challenge? So I'm very fortunate that I have a very strong leadership team and that just about a year ago, we actually formed a customer advocacy team. And that was something that in the past was always somebody's extra job to do. And about a year ago, we realized that the need is out there. It's consistent. It's not going away. How we serve that need continues to change as we put a, a formalized group out there to help us with that ongoing basis. And that has turned out to be just so helpful during this time. But when COVID started the outbreak in Midwest, where we are in St. Louis, and we serve most of Missouri, we saw immediately just the amount of customers who couldn't pay their bills automatically just increase. And so we wanted to make sure we got in front of it. And so using that team, we were able to put a program in place that took a million dollars. And we took half of it towards low income, the hourly wage workers who had lost their jobs, or the ones who are currently and consistently trying to make ends meet. Then we took the other $500,000 and we put it towards those who were new to that area. Kind of those who, who work, they probably lost maybe two income households, lost one you know, set of income on the residential side. And all of that money was gone in a matter of days. So, I mean, customers were very needy and they had to qualify. And that just made us really have a good understanding of what was to come. So if we were just starting out on this, 
and customers at that level couldn't pay their bills and they already knew it, what was gonna happen in two or three months. And so that really made us start thinking about if we looked at the predictions and what was going to happen and that this was not gonna be over in a matter of weeks, what were we gonna do to prepare for the future? And is that that clean slate program that I've heard a little bit about that you guys pulled together? That was actually the next phase. And as far as preparing for the future, that's what came out of it. So it was looking at our arrearages and two, three months later, as they continued to grow month after month. And so just like all other EI utilities, we did put a moratorium on cuts for non-payment as well as late payment fees. And it was interesting we saw from that. I mean, you still saw a large majority of customers who paid their bills on time. So I think a lot of times people think, well, nobody's paying their bills. And that's not true. We actually had more than 70% of our customers continue to pay on time. So when you look then and you dice down even more into, so who's not paying? Well, you see some of those who are consistently in that collections bucket, they're financially challenged ongoing. But then you saw another group of customers, both business and residential, who were new. So then out of that, you have to sit back and think, so what part of those maybe aren't paying, right? Because we're not charging late payment fees, but can pay and will pay, but those who really do need the help. So we started looking at that. We came up with this clean slate program for residential customers and another program for business, which I'll talk about here a little bit later. But our clean slate program actually took $3 million of shareholder money. And it's all about trying to wipe out customer arrearages trying to give those customers a fresh start on their bills because some of them coming out of cold weather rule, then right into COVID, some of them have some bills that they haven't paid for quite a while. Or the new ones who came into it right at COVID around March, you haven't been able to pay. And keep in mind, they're choosing between, do I pay for my utilities or something my child needs for rent or a car payment, helping them also have a fresh start. So our program is to have them pay 25% of their past due balance. And that includes their current balance, anything billed, and then we'll pay the other 75%. And so with all the light heap dollars that are out there through the CARES program, there's just a lot of money that customers came and put that 25% down can go and, and get even further assistance. Wow, that's fascinating. That's a great program. Is there any money left? Has it all been used up? What's sort of the status of Clean Slate? So... $3 million, we're three weeks in. We are about a third through the money. And that's where we thought we would be. Something that we're finding is that, and, and I know from my peers also at the utility specter, is that customers are not having a big incentive to take action if they don't know we're getting ready to disconnect for non-pay. They're kind of waiting, right? And, and so we actually started last week putting inserts into our bills to tell customers when we will be starting to resume normal credit operations. And we did that in advance further than we needed to per regulation guidelines of the state of Missouri, just because we wanted to make sure that customers knew well in advance, here's the plans, we're being very transparent, call us, we wanna work with you. We have a lot of payment arrangements if you don't qualify for some of our payment plans that you can have just through us. And those started going out last week, but we have about a third of the money gone, which is about right. We anticipate we're gonna help between nine and 10,000 households, which is around 35,000 individuals. Yeah, that is a lot. Are you starting to see much response from the letters you put in bills last week. This 
to me seems like pretty great program with strong incentive to have customers pay a little bit now so more of that debt can be forgiven. Are you seeing impact from that bill insert you did this past week? So we're doing it by bill groups. Not only, you know, our first few bill groups have received the letter so far. Our agencies are telling us they are consistently busy, which means that they're not overloaded, but they are staying very busy. Again, as more customers get that and they see our timeline, I have no doubt that they will become even more busier because it is on a first-come, first-served basis. With the Clean Slate program in particular, though, what we anticipate is going to happen is these customers are going to see the schedule and then they will definitely apply. Now, it is not for business customers. It's only for residential. However, we have a different program for business. We're going to be rolling out here in the next couple of weeks. And we are taking a little bit of a different approach with resuming our normal credit operations than what some other utilities are. So rather than just saying that we're going to have everybody start at the same time, so as of X date, everybody's up for normal credit operations. We are actually going to start with our business customers first. And that's going to start on July 15th, followed a few weeks later on August 3rd for a residential. And the reason for that is that we can give those first customers or commercial customers the attention that they need as we get back into a normal type of operational mode. And then we'll move into the residential and give them the focus that they need. Because again, it's a lot of hand-holding through some of this. Some of these customers are brand new into this situation, don't know where to go, what to do. Even on the business side, where do I go for assistance? What do I do? I can't pay my bill. I'm struggling. So these calls become longer, but they're more important than ever for customers that we have the time to spend with them. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, there are programs like LIHEAP that I know a little bit about. I did a podcast episode about it maybe a couple months ago. And that program is one that's been around since 1980 and is something that people who've regularly received LIHEAP are very familiar with. But it's a really different problem for people who've never been in any sort of situation where they don't have the means to cover some of these billing costs. So I think it's also a little bit fortuitous and interesting that you created that customer advocacy team to get out there and coincidentally, I guess, get to know these customers and engage. What's the feedback you're getting from those customer advocates right now? Like, How's that conversation going internally? So those individuals, they work very closely with our agencies across the state of Missouri. And we've worked with more than 40 agencies across the state. So a lot. So it's trying to keep them aligned on questions that they have and how we're responding, if they need more money, you know, if, they're, if they need more promotion in their area. Helps us keep a pulse on, are we seeing the activity in that area? If not, we'll go back to our communications group and we'll say, can we direct market through a number of different channels? right, to, to target customers in that area to make sure that they're aware of what's being offered. We also can use our own internal methods to communicate via text, via email, in bill inserts into areas we think there's just not the same type of movement where we expected. Okay, so we talked a little bit about business customers, small business customers, what the timelines look like there. We've talked a little bit about residential customers, those who maybe in the low-income space who are familiar with this problem. But what about the unfamiliar folks? Like how is the recently unemployed folks that have never needed assistance before, what kind of mechanisms and methods are you coming up with to reach those people? Yeah, and they're the hardest group, right? So 
we're using a number of different channels to reach them. So first off, there's the bill. We stopped sending disconnect notices out when we stopped the disconnects from on pave or put them on moratorium, but we did replace that with a pass due notice. And that was really important for us just to make sure that people knew just because you're not disconnect notice doesn't mean you don't owe the money. And so outside of that, on the notice, it actually tells people where to go for assistance and to call us for help. We're using social media, we're using email, we are working through our agencies, working through other grassroots organizations locally. We've done a lot of media. In other words, radio, TV, with different opportunities, we throw that in there to make sure that people know there's help available. We um, gave away a 1,000 energy-efficient air conditioners and a 1,000 energy-efficient light bulb sets about four weeks ago. We announced a clean slate program. And we had our major TV stations there because we also we announced the program. We had these air conditioners getting away. It was really about trying to keep our customers cool this summer and it's not just those who are already in a low-income situation, maybe those who are new to it, but also trying to get the word out. And we actually had some really good coverage because although there's a lot of funding out there right now, the funding is all different. You talked about LIHEAP. LIHEAP has limits as far as much money a customer can get. It also has poverty level limits as far as who can apply. And most programs do have some type of limits, but those are pretty strict. And so we tried to make ours a little bit more lenient than that. And so we're trying to get that word out as well, that just because you don't apply or can't maybe make the application requirements for LIHEAP, you can still make them for our program. So it's a challenge, no doubt. If we happen to have listeners from Missouri and Ameren Service Territory that want to learn more and figure out how to get access to these programs, where would you direct them? Where can they learn about all of this and figure out eligibility? So two different ways. You can call our Ameren Missouri Customer Care Center. Going through our IBR, you can get a list of agencies without having to talk to someone. Or you can talk to someone and they can tell you, here's the options based on your situation that will work for you. Because we also have payment arrangements with people who maybe aren't low income, right? Maybe I'm just struggling for other reasons. I had to take care of a parent or a child. I couldn't go to work and I lost out on some income. I'm not necessarily low income, but I just don't have my regular income. Or I had to spend money on something else I didn't anticipate. We have programs for them as well. So we want people to call us. Otherwise, you can go through United Way's 211 line, and they will definitely direct you to our agencies that are also assisting with programs. As you think about just the things that you'll take away from this crisis over a longer time horizon. What sort of changes have you had to make on the customer experience side of the equation to bring more people into the discussion? And so that's kind of the first part. And the second part is, do you think those are changes that will be durable, that will continue beyond COVID? Such a great question. If you think about my whole organization, we were probably 10% remote and 90% showing up in our offices of some schedule. Now we're flip-flopped. We are 90% remote. And we did that within two weeks. 
it's amazing what you can do when everybody pulls together and really has to do it quickly. Somebody would ask me that about a year or two ago, if we could have done that that quick, I don't know what I would have said, but we obviously could have, and we did it. We did it very successfully. Our service level continues to be extremely high right now with our customer care group or call center, because of course people aren't calling us like they did at one point because we're not disconnecting, right? Our collection calls, our billing calls, we're down overall by 40%. And we do not want to disconnect anyone for non-pay. That is our absolute last resort. I'm going to ask you to share a little bit more of what's filling your headspace. What are you worried about in this crisis as it relates to your customers? I mean, I think first I think about my coworkers, just as much as my customers, And as we transition back to something normal, whatever normal looks like in the future, on the customer side, the top of mind for me is we don't know yet how long this is going to last. And we're talking about billing issues now and customers who still haven't found work. And here in the Midwest and St. Louis, some of these just roles that are no longer available for some of our customers to work or how they made a living, it's sad. And we just don't know, again, you know, how long it's going to go on. So even though people say we're on phase four, getting people back, getting the communities back, you know, into operations, that doesn't mean that our customers are in phase four. Some of them are still phase one of, I don't have a job. And so I think when our communities bounce back and when our customers bounce back, could be different. And we just have to be able to keep that in mind and make sure that we still have the programs, the flexibility out there to still provide a valuable product to them that powers the quality of their life while still having some type of accountability, though, for not letting these balances just get to the extent where they can never pay them off. You know, it really sounds like the things you're worried about, Tara, are the humanity questions and just really being concerned about your coworkers and then other people in your community that have been hit hard. We are very concerned about our customers and we do really care. And we also know that we can't do it by ourselves. We have to work with community stakeholders, with their regulators, with other utilities to find out best practices. EI has been great with us, helping us out, find out what some of those are. And just with grassroots groups throughout the whole territories that we serve. I talked about the low income, right? We have different agencies and groups we work with through them to say, what is it you really need from us? What is it really causing the pain for our customers right now when it comes to their utility bill and and managing bills overall? And, And I think working together, it's really made us stronger. But without doing that, there's no way that we could be successful. But we absolutely do care, and we put these programs out there as a way of showing them. We hope that you found this to be an informative 15 minutes, and we look forward to bringing you additional expert insights about the intersection of energy policy and COVID-19. To learn more about the electric industry's response to COVID-19, visit www.eei.org. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts by searching for The Current and We Stand for Energy.